Hello and welcome to Marketing on the Moon. I'm your host, Regan Olsey, here to help you learn how to implement the right Web3 marketing strategies that actually move the needle so that you can finally attract, nurture, and convert your ideal audience. In today's Marketing Byte, we'll focus on how to navigate stakeholder relationships as a Web3 marketer to make sure you're hitting all of your personal and professional goals. If you've ever wondered how Web3 marketing really works or want to implement strategies that actually get you closer to your goals, stick around. I promise you won't want to miss this. All right. Hello and welcome, everyone. Today, you heard it in the introduction. We are going to talk about the importance of stakeholder relationships in Web3. Now, this isn't any different than any other industry. They are always going to be important, but it's particularly important, I have found throughout my marketing career, to really focus on how you build these relationships as a Web3 marketer. And that's because in Web3, there are a number of different relationships that you're going to need to juggle. Because a lot of Web3 companies, no matter their size, are going to have a matrix-style reporting structure, which means that typically you'll have a handful, give or take, if not more, of different stakeholders that you're going to need to work with. Not only that, but the working relationships and the working styles are actually changing in Web3 compared to other industries because in a post-pandemic world, so many of us are still working from home. Not to mention, so many of us are actually working remotely. Like I am currently sitting at my desk in a semi-sunny, not really, (laughs) Amsterdam, while I have a number of other folks that I work with who sit in places like London or San Francisco or New York. And if I am handling a difficult or a challenging situation and it's 8 a.m. my time, I'm actually going to need to wait until about 2 p.m., if not later, my time to actually get a response. And I've dealt with this in any Web3 company that I have ever worked for or I have ever worked with. And so I know I'm not the only one here. And making sure you think ahead when managing your stakeholder relationships is so important because oftentimes not getting the necessary approvals or not thinking ahead and having the conversations you need to have can end up being a stopgap and kill your productivity. Because a stakeholder will do things like give the go-ahead on a project, approve a budget, approve a promotion, approve travel, make sure that you can move forward on a hiring decision. And if you are stuck waiting or if you are stuck in a difficult relationship with someone who you just don't really get along with, All of those different pieces are going to be very difficult for you. But before we dive into how you can actually manage your different stakeholders, let's take a look at the Web3 stakeholders that you might deal with as a marketer in Web3. So I can just say from myself as a Web3 marketing leader who led global marketing and then also field marketing, my stakeholders included revenue leaders like the head of sales. I worked very closely with them to ensure that my team was running programs that aligned directly to their business goals. Leadership, so not only leadership for marketing, but other leadership, in part because we worked closely with them as thought leaders. Other marketing leaders, so other counterparts of mine that worked in different departments across the world. Partners who I needed to work closely with and other marketing teams outside of my organization when we were running a co-marketing program. Conference organizers, so again, that's a third party, but they are still an important stakeholder nonetheless and then developers and technical partners. And I typically needed to engage with these folks when we were running a co-marketing program or when I was setting up the partner marketing program in one of my previous lives. 
to make sure that any of those integration partners were on track and running smoothly and the timeline was going to align to the product marketing material that I was building for that co-marketing program or strategy. I would also consider, of course, any of your direct reports or anyone you report to directly or indirectly as your stakeholders. So those are a huge number of people that you just need to deal with on a day-to-day basis and making sure that you're dealing with them in a way that is not compromising on your goals and your working style, but meets your stakeholders somewhere in the middle for their goals and their working style is so important. And so how do you actually identify your stakeholders' needs and goals? Well, I actually think this is probably one of the areas that so many marketers, especially new in their career, just don't think about enough. I remember when I was young, I would sit in on meetings and I would say, all I need to do is come in with a really incredible idea, present it, and people will get on board. But I didn't fully think about the psychology of the way that idea would be absorbed. I didn't think about the stressors or the pressure that a sales leader potentially had. And so that was one of the biggest things and the biggest learnings that I'm lucky to have learned early on in my career is now anytime I pitch a product, no matter if it's someone I'm working with directly or a leader throughout the organization, I always think about the way that this program project idea is going to be taken on. And I take into account this person's goals. I take into account this person's working style. I take into account the pressures that they might have on them, what they're trying to achieve, both personally and professionally. And that takes a certain amount of navigating, but it also takes a certain amount of relationship building and knowledge in order to get to that point. Because if you haven't had a conversation with them before about some of those pressures, you may not understand that your sales leader's CRO is pushing down on them to meet certain revenue goals and they won't understand or they just don't understand why this new conference that you want to go spend a chunk of money on that you've never spent money on before is going to get you closer to those sales numbers in the way that you are promising. So that's how we can start to really navigate it here. But that's why we need to sit back and think about, okay, what are these people's goals and what pressure do they have on them? I remember I had a sales leader who I thought was just flat out disinterested, just didn't want to work with me. I had set meetings on our calendar. I was really trying to drive the relationship. And I was really trying to make sure that my marketing program was supporting his team in the way that they needed to be supported without allowing myself to be viewed as someone who worked for the sales organization because I always come into the conversation as though we are individual partners here. We are working together towards the same goals, but I just could not get the sales leader on board. I just could not get them to seem interested in our meetings. So I went and talked to another leader about it. And this leader stopped me in my tracks because their piece of advice was to become more empathetic. And originally I sat there and I was like, empathetic? I am empathetic. I try to have conversations with them. I try to get to know them as a human and as an individual. But the empathy that this person was talking about was not one of, hey, let me know what's happening in your personal life. Instead, it was empathetic in the way that I was describing the program or the KPIs that we had reached or any of the metrics that I wanted to highlight to be focused on what was going to be important to the sales leader in their team. And also to make sure that I was talking to the right individual about the right point. And I was choosing the moment to do it. And that was really helpful because then I took a step back and said, okay, maybe this rev leader doesn't really care about individual programs and how they performed unless there's a key account that we have been tracking for months, quarters, years to push through the line and through the funnel. And so I will highlight the programs that did that for our target accounts. 
But instead of showing them individual, maybe too siloed of metrics, I'll just show them the umbrella metrics and then go to the individual sales teams and the smaller regional leaders to give them more details on how each of their regions are performing. That was a really helpful realization for me. And so while the feedback of I need to be more empathetic stung at the time, that was the takeaway for me and it worked. I focused on the why and I led with data. Now, what I teach my teams is make it really hard for your leaders to say no. For example, if you're running events, your leader may not necessarily care about all of the colors that you're choosing to put on your booth. All they see is the 100K spend and you need to give them data on why it works. And spoiler alert, your conference organizer is going to have that data. Another tip here is to use the word historically. People love the word historically. In one of my previous lives, I had a sales leader who, whenever we were doing something for the very first time, they would ask, well, who's done this before? And sometimes you just don't have that answer, right? It's hard because you want to be cutting edge. You want to think outside of the box. You don't just want to do what everyone else has done. But what you can do, I realized, is start to pull little pieces, maybe from a competitor, maybe from someone who's not a competitor of yours, but you've seen a marketing program work well for them in the past, and use the word historically. Historically, this particular thing has worked. Historically, when we've added these words in, we've seen engagement increase by X percent. And that will be really helpful in building that trust, especially if you're new to a company with whatever leader, with whatever stakeholder you are working with. While some of this might seem like you're jumping through hoops in order to gain the trust of your stakeholders and you want that to be a given, it is not always a given. Sometimes you need to take the reins on building this trust because at the end of the day, you have to work in lockstep with these leaders but not to the detriment of your own confidence. So remember that you are the expert in your own space. Your leader is the expert in their own space or your stakeholder is the expert in their own space. And what you can do together and the goals that you accomplish together and the goals that you can create together, that's what's going to move your business forward. So making sure that you are not compromising on your own confidence here is super important. With all of this, you've probably heard a major theme. And if you haven't heard the theme yet, I'm just gonna throw it straight out for you. Effective communication is key. Effectively communicating and engaging with your stakeholder is going to be the difference between a positive and a negative stakeholder relationship. There are some people who are just really difficult to deal with, and I will give you that. You will unfortunately come across them in your career at some point in time. If you haven't already, I'm really jealous of you. And please let me know what companies you've chosen because that is incredible. We are all different. We all manage stress in different ways. And let's be real here, a fast-paced moving Industry like Web3 can be very stressful at times. But one of the pieces that I recognize as a key difference between a younger and a more mature marketer is the way that they communicate their ideas. Because a younger marketer is going to be all about ideas. They're going to be all about execution. They're going to be super in the weeds, super in the details. Whereas a more mature marketer is going to be more focused on the outcomes and be very thoughtful with the way that they communicate their ideas. And that's important to recognize because when it comes to stakeholders, they're not going to be there with you pressing send on an email when a campaign goes out. And so while they are interested potentially if they have time in the inner workings of Marketo, they're not going to be interested in the font choice or the color that you've decided unless you've decided on a bright purple color, which I would highly recommend you do not do. But the idea here is you need to be focused on those outcomes. So if you have chosen a specific font for a reason and that is going to lead to higher engagement, well, you can highlight that. But if it's just standard, don't go ahead and highlight that. 
Your communication is going to be the key in building that strong relationship. Now, there's another aspect to communication that a lot of people don't think about. And when you are new in your career, it can feel difficult to do. And that is honesty. And that sounds silly because, of course, we all want to be honest here. As a marketer, you will get thousands of ideas, hundreds of thousands of ideas thrown at you consistently by stakeholders of all different levels at all different times. And you need to be able to create a filter for yourself of accepting that feedback or accepting those ideas, but then relying on your own confidence and your own expertise in order to decide what you do moving forward. But you need to be honest with your stakeholders about what you can and what you cannot take on, because that's what's going to ultimately build trust for them. If you keep them updated on how projects are moving forward, you keep your word when you've said that you'll hit certain deadlines or timelines. You tell them if a timeline needs to be pushed back. You tell them if something cannot feasibly be taken on. Or you tell them why something can't be taken on today, but could potentially be taken on in the future. And you create a roadmap together where you both feel comfortable with how you are going to hit all of these goals that you have in mind moving forward. That's what's going to build trust. It is so easy, especially when you're early on in your career, to say yes. Yes, I'll go and do that. Yes, I'll take on this event. Yes, I'll do this meeting. Yes, I'll build this presentation. Yes, I'll do this one pager. But at the end of the day, you're only going to end up doing a million things worse than you would if you chose the five high priority items that absolutely need to get done or three items and push two of them back to the following quarter. This is what happens when you start to get more confident throughout your career, but also more confident in your skill sets is you'll understand time management And you'll understand those boundaries that you need to set, but that's what's going to help you build your trust with your stakeholders. And I've had that happen a number of different times. I'll have a stakeholder come in and they will say, you have to take this on. You need to go to this event. We need to add this new partner to the roadmap. And what I have found to be very helpful is to sit back and again, go back up to what I mentioned earlier on and talk about the why. Why is this important? Why is this a priority? What goals are they trying to accomplish? Think about your goals and what you need to accomplish in the programs and projects you already have running and try and figure out a way for all of those different things to align. And if they can't, be open and honest with your stakeholders about the reason behind why they cannot. Because sometimes a sales leader, for example, will tell you to take on a specific program or they will throw a partner at you, say you need to go join this membership program or you need to go scope this event. And while that might come across to you as something that needs to happen immediately, it may not. It may actually be something that just came across their desk and they forwarded it along to you to suss out for yourself, but without having the conversation of, hey, scale of one to 10, how important is this to you? You would never know that. And so again, that clear and concise communication is going to be so important as you build these relationships throughout your career. And the last thing that we'll talk about in this session is how do you actually handle conflicts and challenges because you can do all of the right things when it comes to stakeholder management, but there are inevitably going to be challenges here. And they're difficult. It can be really unsettling to feel like if you are a people pleaser, like oftentimes I am, to feel like someone doesn't like you or feel like someone doesn't want to work with you. But again, that's where that confidence building piece comes in because that's been super helpful for me is understanding what I know to be true and what I can accomplish. And then we can work together towards a mutual goal where it doesn't seem like I'm being difficult for saying no, but instead I'm just trying to focus on the priorities that we need to focus on given the time constraints that we have because we are all very busy. We all have a thousand things on our to-do list and we can only do so much in a day. And I think it's really important for individuals, especially in the Web3 marketing world, 
to recognize that. And my number one piece of advice with this is to seek common ground and try to find that win-win solution. Of course, there are some stakeholder relationships that you may need to escalate. And if you do need to escalate it, go and do that within your internal processes, whether that's with HR and HRBP. Somebody on your team, I guarantee you, your manager is there to help you navigate those really challenging relationships if you ever feel unsafe, psychologically or otherwise, in a room with a stakeholder. But the majority of stakeholder relationships can be solved through nonviolent communication tactics. So active problem solving and trying to mediate the conversation is so important because we're both bringing emotions into the room, right? We both have maybe conflicting priorities. We both have conflicting to-dos. We both are very busy. and We only have 30 minutes or an hour in a day to sit down and talk about this problem that we're trying to solve in a meeting. Or you're getting a Slack message from someone while you're in the middle of another meeting and it can feel very difficult if you're not seeing eye to eye to feel like you have ample time to really figure out how you're going to solve this. But it is so important because otherwise you're just going to let something fester and it's going to be very difficult to build trust off of shaky ground. So make sure that you are focusing on that problem solving. You're being communicative because they will rely and you will rely as a stakeholder yourself on past communication and past experiences with the individuals you're working with in order to know what to expect from the future. So you want to set yourself up and your team members up for success by ensuring that you are communicative and you're being open and honest. And then seeking that common ground and finding that win-win solution. So of course, there are difficult stakeholder relationships, but so many of them can be incredibly fulfilling. They can unlock the go-ahead on projects, approve budgets, approve your promotion, approve you to hire on your team, approve your travel, They can help you move your team, move yourself forward to meet your personal and professional goals. And that's why it's so important to help create a foundation that is going to set yourself up for success and them up for success. Okay, and that brings us to the very end of today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. If you have any questions about anything we covered in the show, or would like to learn more about how we can work together, come and find me over on LinkedIn and drop me a quick hello. I love when you all reach out and I respond to every single message. If you liked today's session, don't forget to follow the podcast or leave a quick review to help keep up to date on the latest in Web3 marketing news. And then finally, if you're ready to fine tune your Web3 marketing skills, accelerate your career and learn how to future-proof your business, don't forget about my newest Web3 marketing course, The Power of Web3 Marketing. Unlike most courses that teach you the basics of marketing, this one helps marketers get up to speed on Web3 and learn exactly how they can implement the right trends and strategies for their business today. I've even brought on experts from Chainalysis to ThirdWork to teach you the ins and outs of how you can build your Web3 marketing strategy from scratch. This is the course that every single one of us wishes we had when we started in Web3. So as a special gift, Marketing on the Moon listeners get an extra $150 off using code MINT, M-I-N-T. Head to the power of web3.marketing to grab your seat today. And don't forget to tune in next week as we dive deeper into the world of Web3. I cannot wait to see you there. <laughs>